Uh, bonjour, nerds. Welcome to a very special episode of Region Free. As today, we're sort of kicking off a, a second season month of the show uh, where we're we're casting our gaze on a new sort of selection of films. If you listened to the end of last week's episode, you'd know the, the thematic tissue connecting these films. Of course, the French and how perverted and intense they can they can be. Um, so we're kicking things off today with a very, a very special one. One of my favorite films of all time. One that I know my lovely co-host Blake Hester from the internet had never seen before Mm -hmm. until last night when he sent me, uh, several images of him distressed, (laughs) uh, going through it, not having a good time watching Claire Denis 2001, uh, you know, sort of banned uh, fucking, I don't even know what to call this movie crazed psychosexual thriller trouble every day aj we've known each other for the better part of a decade now and i'd like to think you know me pretty well to That's me right. you're an enigma i don't really but you know i i've been very open about my proclivities my interests um That's right. you know going into this one i was gonna have my little world rocked by claire and beatrice I knew there was I knew oh. there was some stuff in this movie that you were gonna dig. Oh my lord, brother! Here's here's everything I needed from it in it in, in just in excruciating, all leading <laughs> up to the most heinous scene of violence possible that makes the 45 minutes of Vincent Gallo's pretty bad acting worth it. And I was like, I'm let's. Go. He's he's doing like a a sort of listless uh, Timothy here's, Chalamet, just like walking around France, being like, I'm so sad. Boo. Here's the boo. thing I was wondering about because like Vincent Gallo, I feel like is somewhat known as like maybe not would have been a star if he hadn't ended up being a dirtbag, but like he was on a short list of like he might have been a big star if he could have held it. You know, I think mm-hmm. people like really They're, regard him well in Buffalo Six Six. So I couldn't tell yeah. if this was just his normal acting or if the character was supposed to be kind of like a uh, very non-emotive which i think worked for it but also i was a little confused like is this just is he a bad actor and it's working for the movie or is this the character lacking much feeling or emotion or definitely empathy yeah we're you know this is this will be this will be treading on uh careful ground here i suppose mm-hmm. but he's he's a kind of actor who seems like he'd have a lot of success these days where you know this sort of like realism right. and, and verite is coming back around where you know a lot of these guys do end up sort of being pieces of shit but you know oh they're committed method yeah, actors yeah. or and so uh you see that on screen and it's it's hard to tell where it begins or where it ends people are sort of a little bit more into that these days or that's having another moment and he feels like one of those he, guys yeah because he would definitely be in a safety movie for sure <laughs> for sure yeah he'd like wander on screen and just have one scene where everyone's like who was this guy is that a real person who kind of you know i don't know just like stalks women on the street and that's probably what vincent gallo does in real life is based off everything i've heard from though as i yeah, he's probably as i thought about this is not the only movie hit it hit scene with him in it because he's in goodfellas i have no clue where what character but like he is in goodfellas somewhere um i'm sure he's just one of the boys yeah, one of the goodfellas yeah, yeah. and i've also seen uh approximately 20 seconds of brown bunny <laughs> yeah which which 20 <laughs> look we all know the movie <laughs> We I think we've, I think we've done. 20. I think we've done that exact bit uh, before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so this movie obviously stars Vincent Gallo. Uh, also features a legend oh of my the, God. the French extremity in her own right, Beatrice Dahl, as a character I remembered being sort of more prominent throughout the film. She's obviously got 
pretty hefty significance when it comes to the story, the plot, the direction that the movie goes. Mm-hmm. But she's really not on screen all that much. But she, doing doing the absolute most. She is. I mean, honestly, like a lot of these, like I don't know, you call them. <laughs> Like horror legends, scream queen. Well, I don't know that she's necessarily scream queen because at least in the two movies I've seen her, and she's the aggressor, not the victim. Yeah, but like <laughs> she is just an absolute force of acting, and it's unfortunate that like it seems not unfortunate because I don't want to belittle anyone's career in horror. I think she's more than like earned and really incredible reputation. But like it's kind of a bummer you don't see her in more breakout roles, at least as far as I know. Um, you know, the way Jamie Lee Curtis was, like, able to make that jump pretty seamlessly. A lot of other actresses in America don't after giving really great performances in mm. horror films. Like, I don't know if Beatrice Dahl showing up in too many non-horror or kind of near cult this, which is yeah, unfortunate because she, she's amazing. She pops up in Jim Jarmusch's Night on Earth. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But that's kind of like a, you know, anthology movie yeah. and so just has... Has a has a role in that, yeah. But, I mean, if I'm I wrong, mean, please let me know, because I'm not going to act like no, I'm no, no. super I've got well the, versed here. I've, I've got the the cat the uh, film mm. star pulled up here, and it's basically you know it's it's the ones you'd expect yep. to see on there. La Entrude. Um, we oui, we oui. get ready get ready for a month of bad French uh, interpretation. It's okay, you can make fun of the French legally and ethically. Yeah, it's actually not a problem. Always cool. And Vincent Gallo, I think, is Italian. Also. Totally within your right to of the Italians. For sure. I've had beef with French. Let's just get this. I think most of the world has, actually. <laughs> yeah, I've got beef with the French. But uh, in in exploring the the French, the new French extremity, I've, I've come to admire those, uh, you know, long cigarette smoking bastards a little bit more than I, than I maybe have in the past. Well, you know who certainly did not uh, like the new French extremity? Who's Was, that? in fact, the writer who coined the term. And while also mentioning Trouble Every Day, that is one of the film's name dropped in that art forum. I don't know the writer's yeah. name. Um, uh, the writer's name who was writing an art forum is, of course, uh, James Quant. I, I tried to go back and and I can't get through it, actually. It's not that I don't <laughs> agree with his writing, which I don't, but that's okay. That's not like a knock against it fundamentally. It's that I just think he's like flowery in a way that is likes the smell of his own farts but it's funny hearing him write about this and feel like he seemingly had a very different takeaway than i did you know that like the nfe label was like abortive or it was kind of reamed from this blog post yeah i mean there's also the term film modit which mm. which hangs around a lot of these movies that basically is an equivalent uh of the british's video nasty yeah, yeah. which was basically yeah the stuff that you can't rent this if you're under 17 mm-hmm. or 18 or whatever it has perverse content that we have deemed unacceptable for, yeah. for wide society at large uh yeah and then obviously you know um there's this 20 years ago mm-hmm. almost that basically takes a look at what was emerging in the 90s and then early 2000s obviously of these French filmmakers rebelling against or sort of picking up on a, today we'd call it a vibe shift, yeah. something in the culture, this sort of, this moment, this sense of people responding to or wanting to see acts of violence or depravity depicted on screen as like, you know, special effects and film production, gore and all that sort of stuff is getting, if not easier, more efficient, kind of more controlled uh reduce mm-hmm. uh you can really start pushing the boundaries of that and france obviously has a pretty significant place in the history uh of cinema there was already the french new wave um in the 60s and so it kind of makes sense yeah that they would just take a look at, at 
this batch of filmmakers I, and just try to apply another label to yeah, it. Yeah, revisiting it last night, and we're, we're kind of in the... Um, I will give him credit for coining the coolest name for a film movement ever. New French Extremity just sounds so fucking hard. But, like, I think my issue with that piece, more than anything, is, like, obviously he you know, brings up, like, French New Wave directors, kind of historically classical French films and directors as a way to kind of, like, discredit the new wave, but new, you know, Mm. 20 years ago. Almost like French films are a little holier than thou. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this isn't how we used to do it. We used to do, like, only high-class stuff. And it's like, it it, it seems like it disregards what was probably going on socio-politically at the time in France. And also, like... It feels like such a cop out for a critic to just like shirk off extreme cinema because yeah. he's gross. You don't have to like it by any means, but I think it's like a failure of a critic to like look at a movie who's using a different language, and in this case, it's like taboo or extreme violence, sex, etc., and just completely mm. write it off because it's not like kind of up its own ass like Godard was. Which like I'm not gonna hate on any of his movies, but you know that's like kind of the air this dude is bringing to the conversation, which yeah, makes it. I, I should have looked. Makes it interesting in retrospect, where like Trouble Every Day seems like fully reappraised after it's like maybe falsely brought into the movement, but people have revisited that one. No, this this was great. Like this was not just schlock for schlock. Yeah, this one has a particularly interesting place mm-hmm. in the in the movement as a whole. So let's let's grab a let's grab a thumbtack. Let's pin that okay. discussion thread up on the wall a little bit let's 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 rewind back into the larger french uh new french extremity conversation just for a sec here because i want to i want to get a sense of like how it's emerging people are responding Mm. to it um you get you you know you're obviously getting like gaspar Noé out of out of stuff like this and and solo is a film i think that he name drops in there quite a bit about like and that's obviously a pretty extreme example of like what can we get away with and that's a to be fair that's italian that's not yeah yeah yeah. but he he uses it as like he points to it as kind of the you know the floodgates mm-hmm. opening in a way a moment of like wait a minute you can put this stuff on screen now like let's let's get off to the races yeah. uh yeah that 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 piece as influential as it is t- kind of does turn into a school paper at some point where he's like well you know you can examine movie x movie y movie z and they're doing these things yeah. and and this is better because it's an interesting thing to think about yeah but but you know the movement overall i've probably i've watched a lot more of it in the past couple of years mm-hmm. than i'd ever you know, more so been familiar with. And so there are films like this that you're sort of aware of, like as a teenager who's starting to get an interest in, in film for the first time. And, and especially the advent of the streamings and whatnot, YouTube, uh, X video, whatever you want to do, makes it a lot easier to find these sorts of things. X videos. You know. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, w- I wanted to see if I could sneak that Wait, one past hold you. On. I didn't know that was the premier place to watch French film. I guess it is probably the... Pro- so- sometimes it kind of is. Sometimes you have to go to these yeah. interesting little websites to find some of these movies. Yeah. Uh, Thankfully, not for for Claire Denis' Trouble Every Day, a film that's currently streaming on Shutter in uh, crisp fucking 480p video <laughs> Look, looks Movie bad. looks like shit. Looks yeah, bad. movie looks like shit. But I love it. Yeah. Um, it has really great 16 millimeter photography. Just fucking grainy. Feels grimy. Feels like you're truly being transported back to probably like 1999. They were shooting this. Uh, they shot this movie apparently in, in just 10 days. So very wow. quick kind of condensed shoot. I mean, it certainly feels sort of like a micro budget, like experimental little thing. But at the time uh, that they're making this or that this is coming out, I don't know the exact filming schedule, but immediately before this uh, is Claire Denis' most successful, most prestigious to this day film, uh, Beau Travail, mm-hmm. which is again another one of my all-time favorites, like, and that's a film 
again, that's reputation, has only grown in the years since its release. I think it was in the top 10 of the uh, Sight and Sound list this year. Got like an incredible Criterion disc. It's a movie similarly. Claire Denis is a really interesting filmmaker, uh, one of my favorites, but whose stuff sort of was very considered within the like film going community, the the, like critics favorite sort of like art house, played a lot of film festivals and stuff, but never and probably still has never like truly broken through uh, with mainstream appeal. She made an A24 movie with Robert Pattinson a couple of years ago. That's a banger. High Life, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but that's sort of the most, whatever you want to call it, mainstream thing that she's ever done. And that's a movie that has Mia Goth and a cum shot in it, uh, much like in full. So. Oh, I didn't, I did not realize that. This movie also. That movie freaks. This movie has a Vincent Gallo uh, cinematic parallels. <laughs> um, can I admit a funny bit of ignorance? Um, yes. I'm not, I didn't think these were the same people, but in my head, my mental image of Claire Denis was a completely different director. And oh, that's God. funny because she's got a very distinct look. Oh, she does. She certainly <laughs> does. Um, and oh, what is her name? She kind of she has like uh, dark red hair, usually like a bowl cut. Criterion really loves her. Agnes Varda. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Who I picture. Yeah. This whole time. Look, two two auteurs of French yeah. filmmaking. It just it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think they were the same person. Like I realized somewhere in my brain, I was like, these are two different people who make different movies, but the face. There was a face swap at some point. Hmm. What's wrong? Hey, uh, not all French women, I suppose, look identical. It's a crazy haircut on Agnes Varda, too. It's like 50-50. Sometimes she's got it dyed red. Yeah. Sometimes she's got it dyed white. Sometimes it looks good. Sometimes not some. That's <laughs> uh, great. She's a queen. Rest in I don't, peace. Oh, did she pass uh, away? A couple of years uh, okay. ago, yeah. There's the great Criterion box set yeah. with probably the striking image that you're thinking of with her, her glorious bowl cut. Mm. Um Two of my faves. I've, I, you know, I open this podcast by saying I have beef with the French, but those are two of my faves. The world historically are his, and that's something thematically that has influenced a lot of Denise filmmaking. And I think there's, you know, there's an undercurrent of of some of that in this film. It's not as explicit as something like Beauchevai or uh, Bastards is a really fun one, um, and then. A lot of stuff with like his pair that I can't remember why I'm blanking on the names right now. White material, 35 shots of rum, that kind of stuff. Very explicitly sort of like yeah. post-colonial films about <laughs> France is kind of a bad country, right? Y'all? Yeah. Did you see Athena last year? No, I still haven't watched the, that. I still haven't even watched the 11 minute uh, the, <laughs> opening scene on well, YouTube. Well, the director of that movie paused. It's a worse idea than uh, most directors, uh, which is France is a bad place. We should keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of... Uh, We'll we'll talk about a few f- more films like that with with one that's coming up later. I want to save a bit of that. We should watch Athena. For a film I watched recently. We should do a bonus up on Athena. I'll, I'll watch it. Okay, I'll watch. I'll watch it. We'll see what it's happens. It's like a eighty-five minute. Like it's a fast one. Oh, really? Even when I don't know, why I thought it was. Longer. Even though most of it sucks, like its runtime is like gracefully, mercifully, mercifully short, is the short, phrase yeah. that they invented for that. Yeah, whatever. Um, you be on this many another... podcasts to speak clearly <laughs> every time. <laughs> Well, no, you can you can coin your own phrase on this podcast. Sure. It's certainly not illegal. Sure. Another film that's not particularly long, like that, is this uh, Trouble Every Day? Yeah. Kind of like a brisk. It said 101 minutes on the streamer. Didn't didn't feel like it was pushing mm. uh, more than an hour and a half. It's but, a slow uh, burn, though. You feel those minutes like it does not fly by. I was definitely checking how long it sort of took for there to be any recognizable, meaningful dialogue. Yeah on screen and it's like 15 minutes because a lot of it is just these sort of half heard conversations from people does a lot of setup but a lot of that early 
mise-en-scene, mm-hmm. if you want to use a French term, is very effective yeah. in instilling this sort of unease. Like, here's a fun question maybe to get us into talking about this movie. Like, do you think this is a horror movie? Like, how does it fit into the broader sort of canon genre of that? I called it a psychosexual thriller I mean, up top, and even I'm not sure I'm committed to that. I mean, I think it's horror in the sense that horror is just a catch-all term, kind of like in the game space, mm-hmm. indie has become a catch-all term. So, like, it's not a... Well... It's not a scary movie. There are scenes disturbing and hard to watch, uh, but it's not like I, I would I would posit it has maybe the scariest scene right, I've ever but watched like, in a movie. But you're not <laughs> sitting through it going from like scare set piece to scare set. It's like there are two big parts in the movie about halfway through at the very end where it's like, okay, holy fuck, this is a lot. But like, you know, I think it just has to be horror because there's not really a better term other than. I like the designation psychosexual thriller, but it's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> you know, horror just rolls off the- a little bit better. Um, having seen this movie a, a couple of mm-hmm. times, when I was re-watching it, sort of what I noticed is sort of the most, aside from maybe one or two kind of exped- e- expedition, exposition dumps up top, uh, or not up top, excuse me, that's a tongue twister. Aside from a few exposition dumps later in the the most sort of like concrete blocks of storytelling and what's actually going on here are contained in those early flashes mm-hmm. of stuff that when you're watching it for the first time, you're sort of disoriented and don't really recognize what's going on. Like, I, I believe it's the very first bit of the movie is the car crash scene with Beatrice Dahl and this guy who's just not really relevant to the rest of whatsoever. But well, they don't crash. Uh, she like lures him, right? Yeah. Okay. She she's like on the side of the road, kind of waves the guy down or whatever, brings him over, and then there's sort of you know smash cut, clever editing. Uh, he's he's disposed of, and then husband slash doctor character is coming pick her up, and he's covered in blood. And that's really basically like what you need to know going into the movie. Fantastic. Like, op- yeah. Well, the very very opening is oh. that really tight shot of just. People going at it. I wrote a note. Uh, I wrote one note, actually, that I'd like to... Hit me. I wrote it in the first 20 seconds. What adults fuck in a car? Grow up. When was the last (laughs) time you had sex in a car, AJ? It's been a while. Exactly. Exactly. I just... Call call me stained the way it's been a while. Here's the thing. I was irrationally angry at the idea of grown adults in a car. That's such a it's such a French thing to do yeah. in the early two thousands. No wonder yeah. they lost so much over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking um, cars. Well so immediately up top you're presented with images intimacy, mm-hmm. romance, and then blood, gore, guts. This is not the first film to ever posit uh sex, violence. Maybe they're more related than they are distant, separate. They're sort of two sides of a similar coin. You know what I Gavin mean? Gavin Rosdale from Bush said there's no sex in it. So I don't know. It's, it's curious to consider both sides of the argument. Let's say, let's say they're two, uh, two human behaviors that have been intrinsically linked I, so, over the years. <laughs> I, so obviously I'm, I'm fucking around. I, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> I do think the interesting take this movie has, or at least kind of one of the readings I walked away, ambiguous at best, um, was like, obviously sex and violence are linked, but it seems to also be examining the parallels of what men and women get away with, mm-hmm. um, which I think, like, as we get deeper in the plot, we can circle back to. But there are two scenes where two characters basically commit the same crime, and the, you know, end result is very different. And they're they're both, I mean, these are two, they're sort of the center bits mm-hmm. of the film. One occurs pretty much exactly halfway through, and then one is essentially the closing act of the movie. They are both, like, frightfully disturbing, well, really just taut sequences. But one, again, 
positioned sort of as more like the supernatural mm-hmm. almost like it's not a moment of catharsis or release but it it does alleviate some of the te- like you've got 45 minutes of build up yeah. basically getting into this scene and then you're like okay that's what's going on here um and the other shoe drops at the end of the film really leaves you on a sour note I, uh, uh, well, and it's just kind of like that's that's up well i i think it's worth saying at the top and i mean content of this movie but like it's not the movie's not only equating sex and violence like these are two graphic depictions of sexual violence um, absolutely they are yeah you know um it, it's a little blurry on the second one if it means consensual it seems to be like kind of dancing the line for a moment but the both end very much in like this is no longer a actual act yeah absolutely the first um, definitively does begin cross the second one i could never i didn't i couldn't figure it out in the, uh but i i yeah, knew by I mean, the like, end it's it. it's sort of like and, and this is just, you know, the plot summary line, but it's pretty, I think it's pretty clearly meant to be taken as like a, an a sexual assault, essentially. I, yeah, I, um, I'm not saying by the end of it, I thought it was a blurry line. I just <laughs> meant in the first few moments, it's like, okay, what is going on? And then there's no denying that it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mor- morally reprehensible exactly. thing from the jump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, aside from those sort of flashes uh, that we were just talking about, and then a really lovely opening credits uh set in comic sans you know we're talking about how disturbing how how unsettling this movie is it has like bright purple uh comic sans intro set- text over this nice little smooth jazz and a shot of the river it's a frank zappa song isn't it is it not is it i don't know the music in this movie is really cool i like how this movie movie uses me quite a bit keep going i'm just looking up for well, well to compliment yeah I, maybe i'm thinking of like the end credits no, it's the song same instead. song it's the same song in the beginning of yeah the i think that's such a it's, frank zappa that's sick there there are really cool little stretches of just it's like not this. it's not it's so not it's definitive <laughs> who it's is like, it i'm not sure who it is but you've got it now tell me the song no the, frank zappa has a song called trouble every day i thought that oh what it was. gotcha it's, it, it's very much well the song that plays in this movie is good and then throughout the film because so much of it sparse lacking dialogue just sort of long meandering takes uh there's this really cool instrumental jazz section that plays under a lot of this film kind of feels like a like you're at a swing band show uh before the before the singer waltzes out on stage and and does his crooning but just like yeah lots and it's a direct juxtaposition with the mood of the film which is uh bad vibes let's let's leave it at that you sort of know you don't know where this film is going watching it for the first time uh you know it's going to be nowhere good so is is basically how i feel (laughs) so the song is the movie is named after the song but i don't believe that is the song playing that says i don't know maybe i'm wrong i'm the song the song does say trouble every day look listener i'm a fucking idiot i don't know what i'm talking about (laughs) any no that's not true that's not true that's not true the plot of trouble every day is uh vincent gallo and his newly betrothed wife Mm -hmm. played by trisha vesey her name's june his name is shane they are on a on a lovely uh parisian honeymoon Mm -hmm. they've just been married and they're uh they're going over to the city of lights is that what they call paris yes yeah 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 yeah. okay the city of romance Mm. the city of baguette Mm. i don't think there's any baguettes in the film what a bummer what a letdown there is a cafe though I'm remo- I'm removing a star from Letterboxd as we There's speak. There's a quaint cafe. bumped down to a four. <laughs> quaint cafe. Mm-hmm. They're staying in a nice hotel. Um, they they seem to be having a nice time. You're like, that's cute. Little couple on vacation together, living the life. Bit, have the newlywed glow. Bit of a distance, but bit of a distance. Uh, on the flight over, he kind of has this weird 
premonition panic attack type thing. I think you're meant to take it as like, oh, you know, he's classic guy scared of commitment, just married. His life's totally changed. He's like having this weird dream about his wife dying on fire or something like that. Sort of just like this violent thing that causes him to like spend most of the flight curled up in the bathroom. A weird moment where the flight attendant starts knocking on the door asking if he's okay. And that doesn't happen. You can actually (laughs) spend an entire flight in the bathroom and they will not check on you. As a man who's waited many a flight for for someone to quit dunking out in there imagining their wife dead. I was going to ask if you were speaking from Yeah, they they will not help. I was trying to get in there. (laughs) Maybe the flight attendant just had to go. But otherwise, they are not getting you out of there. It's crazy. No efficiency in the damn sky. There is a weird moment where they're looking over out the window at the lights of, they say, Denver. And it looks like, and I don't know if this was intentional, but it like... It looks like an old, like, motherboard or computer screen. Like, it's clearly not city light. It's a very strange moment. Yeah, this was uh, the early 2000s, the late night. It was a different world. Well, so there's a really interesting, um, just like 20-minute presentation from one of the Toronto International Film Festivals where they had a Claire Denis um, retrospective. And Mm. the speaker there, whose name I forget, I apologize. I'm sure you look up Trouble Every Day, T-I-F-F, it'll pop right Um posits that this movie is slightly a sci-fi film which i thought was kind of interesting and i wonder if there's yeah. any of that at play also i definitely want to get into that okay good <laughs> also a weird note about that toronto international film festival thing is in presenting the speaker they're like hey we just want to acknowledge that we're doing this on you know indigenous land and it's like hey that's cool and then he immediately goes we also want to thank our sponsors visa <laughs> it's like for getting us that land thanks visa it's like, wait a second hold on either either say one or the other don't say them both yeah um well okay let, let's set up the rest of the film and then we'll get into that mm-hmm. because basically you know it's sort of parallel storylines that you're curious if they're going to intersect ever mm-hmm. um the couple from the you've seen them already when he's picking her up from the field but it's uh this doctor whose name escapes me right now uh dr leo leo uh, and then his wife, who's played by Beatrice Dahlquist. A, mm-hmm. the French are crazy with names, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about this. Leo. Not, a, not a native French speaker. <laughs> like Leo. <laughs> well, there's an accent over it. So I'm like, is it Leo, Leo, uh, Corre, that, Cor? That's how I pronounce Leo Vader's name. I'm like, ah, Leo. Leo. Leo, Leo Veda. Leo, Leo Veda. <laughs> uh, and they have, let's call it a strange relationship, where he's like, okay, Good morning, my beautiful wife. It's time for me to go to work in the doctor lab mm-hmm. where I spend every day. Um, I'm going to have a lovely breakfast, kiss you goodbye, and then, of course, board up the entire house and keep you locked in here. Yeah. Again, as the speaker, the TIFF pointed out, some uh, fairy tale. Indeed, indeed you do. Indeed Crazy you do. Crazy woman in the attic. Those type of stories. I thought was interesting. Definitely rooted in a sort of archetype, a trope. Mm. It's unclear at first why this is happening, why she's kind of okay with it. There are some teenagers who live in the neighborhood, it sort of seems like, who are very curious about this as well um, and I, are sort of hatching a plan to like break in or investigate or try and talk to her at some point. That's actually one of my favorite plot points in the film, and not just because of the payoff of it. It's just like, granted, they look a little too old to be like stalking a place like this, but it kind of reminds me of the kids in It, you know, and like Pennywise's house yeah. where they're always like, what is in there? What's going on in there? Like, I like that kind of like childhood curiosity in this film i think they could have aged them down but then again made your scene with a <laughs> yeah they're like year old. 20 probably yeah yeah yeah. too old though yeah whatever and, and then the movie basically yeah turns into just sort of miniature little slice of life 
jaunt for for a while um this this newlywed couple is sort of going around paris then you learn that shane maybe had an ulterior motive he's a doctor coming to paris. no less he's a doctor he worked with leo at some point he says uh or read a really good paper it's kind of he, he's playing both sides being mm-hmm. a little sneaky but he's like i really got to meet this guy uh he has an idea or a project that he was working on that's really influential to me that i've got to learn more about and it's never really made like explicitly clear what that could be. You just get glimpses of it, flashes of it in like report and a thing on the TV. But he basically has kind of posited that he found some sort of miracle cure for, I forget really how it's phrased in the movie, but it's like uh, diseases of the, the mind or like neuro for that things in the brain like can cure anything that's wrong with with the human brain essentially um i and i couldn't tell if like the experiments he was doing accidentally caused uh cannibal urges or not but that essentially is the ailment now like afflicting cleo's wife and also gallo's character maybe hasn't acted on it It isn't explicitly clear but has now come to paris searching out leo to be like yo help i need a cure to this because i think what it is is he's scared of killing his wife and eating yeah. her and like we'll later see he will deny her sex on their honeymoon and it's like yeah he doesn't want to kill this this is where the sci-fi bit sort of like is it a virus is it a mutation is it a vampire creature sort of thing mm-hmm. like what's the what's like this the answer to this going on is it completely is it a panacea i believe is the word uh where it's just like the, the, you're making this up the, all the continents when they were t- together it's no, that's pan, pan that's pangea uh funny it, you know it this movie could be read as like yes there is this new sort of uh cannibal mm-hmm. sex disease that is highly infectious and gets in you and then just want to fucking eat people or you could read this film and just be like this is a sort of extreme tale about desire and sexual proclivity gone about as bad as it could ever go and i like that the film sort of doesn't explicitly land in either of those lanes i think it it obviously leans sort of towards there is some scientific explanation to this but it's all very ambiguous yeah yeah i mean i think the the desire a good reason is like obviously brody doll's character she has kind of an insatiable desire for sex and violence human flesh and she is like punished day in and day out like granted she's her basically daily escapes but like She's locked up. She is like robbed her livelihood of autonomy. She is, you know, her her husband controls her because of like to act on. I guess what you would call just like instinct set that they're very mm. warped by science. I guess of this, and as we'll later see, like Vincent Gallo, like we'll see more explicitly. The movie hints at it quite a bit. We'll see Vincent Gallo has the exact same urges, though by the end of the film, even though they, you know, commit the same crime, he um. He gets on a plane and goes home, and it's kind of insinuated lives happily ever after. Just... It's it's kind of like, yeah, got that one out of my system. That's great. Yeah, and, you know, Brody Dahl's character dies. I, it, and it's it's a little unclear if it was a intentional suicide, or if she was, like, killing herself, or, like, well, she, it's a little unclear if she's trying to kill herself. Eventually, Vincent Gallo kills her. Um, yeah. But, like, I was she gonna say... might have been trying to kill herself before that. Nevertheless... Like, it's, she's not living her own life where Vincent Gallo able to just be like, all right, I'm going home. See y'all. Did what I got to yeah, do. I'm out of here. <laughs> I, ate, I ate that lady. See you. Bye. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I guess that's a great segue into just like, let's, let's fucking, let's, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Um. Yeah. The teenagers 
you know, finally figure out the right floorboard to knock loose or something like that mm-hmm. on the window. And then they start talking with her uh, or, or you know, communicating with her, however you want to phrase that. And it's just like they get in there. At, you know, there's two of them. One of them is like just he's down bad. There's no other way to put it. He astronomically needs to smash. She's happy to oblige. And I, I she's like I'll I'll pause it. He doesn't smash. rather he is. He gets smashed. Yeah. Like, OK, so and again. This is something that just feels so uh, doesn't happen these days anymore, if it ever did, let's say. But it's like this is such a sort of uh, horny French teen in the 90s move that's like, oh, there's this house down the neighborhood where the housewife gets locked up every day. We're going to go free her and then she's going to you know, reward us uh, for being su- such heroic little young teen boys. I, I, I sort of see where they're coming from in their head, at least a very bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, it doesn't go well. Um I, I want to unpack they, the visual and just like the moment of it. It is such a raw display of uh, a woman gone feral. Like mm-hmm. it begins like a normal sex scene, like mildly erotic. If you can the fact she is in the dusty, grossest house of all time. It's just absolutely filthy. It's, and this is like a teenager who crawled through yeah. the window two minutes ago. And you know, you know what her intentions are. So I don't hold this against her at all. I'm like this kid. This is why I say he's, he's down bad, maybe worse than anyone's ever been. <laughs> What are you doing? What, what In what world do you think this is a good idea? Yeah. Well, so, like, they just start having sex, and it's, like, a normal sex scene. You're like, oh, all right, all right. And it's, like, I, I don't know whose direction this was, if Denise's idea or Brody Dahl's idea, where it was coming from, but this, there's a slow escalation of how hard she bites. It's, yeah. It, it like, never, you know, it doesn't turn on a dime, like you might think, or, like, in a less <laughs> masterfully made movie. Like, it is a slow buildup to the actual point of violence that makes you question it. Even, like, the male character is constantly like, hey, maybe it'll be a little too hard. Yeah, like, like let's chill out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it slowly goes up into it. And then when it hits that crescendo, like, it might be one of the greatest on-scene screams of all time. Like, the, the scream they got out of... It's, like, unhearable, of, yeah. The scream they got out of this man is one of the worst things I have ever heard in my life. Like, instantly <sighs> filled my body with anxiety. Yeah, does it start with his lip mm-hmm. that she bites off yeah, like, right and then gets to the neck and yeah it's... yeah because she's she's kind of like you know moving up his his body with these like you know little pecs that turn into like maybe a little bit of teeth mm-hmm. and then he sort of realizes like okay that's gonna leave a mark or something don't don't want to be involved with all of that and then yeah by the time she gets to his face she just like yeah pulling off his lip and then just starts yeah ripping it to his neck and and it becomes one of those sequences where you're like I don't know if there's that much blood in the human body, but it's, it's that's a lot of blood. It's extreme. And there's a chilling shot. The kid downstairs hearing the screams. And you can <laughs> see he's doing the mental math of whether... It's like a very... It's it's so twisted kind of how funny it is at first where he's just got... He's like sitting there reading a book or something. Mm-hmm. He's just got this look on his face like, oh, this fucking guy. Yeah. And then he, he, you like hear the screams escalating and he kind of like looks up and it's like... What's going on? Here? You can tell he's doing the mental calculations of whether or not this friendship is worth. And if he and he doesn't, I don't know. Like we see a shot later where there it feels like seven to blood on this wall. Yeah, it's like I don't know if that's an implication that both died. That would make sense, honestly. But it's never clear what really happens to the second kid. Nevertheless, the boy that was down bad, down worse than any man has ever been at this. He's about as as down bad as you can be. He's dead. It's a, he's very dead. To circle back to what you're saying, I I I think horror is a good genre for this film even though it's not scary throughout i will say this scene is one of the more horrific things i've seen in a film it's brutal it's awful 
it's like it's like one of those fucking things where it's like you want to throw up while you're watching and also it's like you don't peel your eyes from it the whole time yeah i mean i i think it's one of the most memorable scenes a movie could have yeah. you know it's like a, a kind of a, a game change. definitely lives on the strength of that twist that turn and just the like sheer nastiness of this one part um but it's not her husband who wins this time it is vincent gallo's character and he's taken aback certainly by what what he sees but in a similar way maybe to the husband he kind of understands it i don't know again with like the medical past and the mm. sort of situation is but you know what we what we come to understand is like yeah she sometimes gets out acts on these desires kills people does whatever uh the the doctor sort of has this relationship with her where he's like okay we're gonna take you home clean you up lock you up it's like maybe not your fault or something kind of out of your control that's a bit what's unclear and well but... he, he also has like a, a makeshift lab in his house so my my reading is he's also an experiment so it behooves him to keep her around yeah um and then like you were describing yeah vincent gallo ends up like burning the sort of like starting a fire um that's how she dies the, the the editing there maybe isn't the most clear. Maybe it's meant to be kind of ambiguous, like you're saying. But yeah, basically, I mean, she, he walks in because he's looking for the husband. Yeah, yeah. Um, walks in, sees what she's done, um, and then he leaves with the place burning down. Yeah, basically. and she had mentioned earlier in the film, like to like, I want to die. I think it might be one of her only lines in the entire film. I was gonna say, yeah. She says when you mentioned that, I was like, does she talk in this movie? I think she has one line there. She says something and says like, I want to die. And then when Vincent Gallo's character comes in there, you can hear her saying in English, "I'm so sick." And mm-hmm. I think those are her only lines. And I will say that's not to downplay her performance at all because I think she's like by leaps and bounds the best. It's just she's one of, doing one of so much with silence that one of the greatest lookers ever had yeah she can just look somewhere on on screen and you're like i know everything that's happening yeah (laughs) absolutely um vincent gallo though here's the thing this character he's not the movie goes to length i i think it's the only way it can justify letting him get off Mm scot-free at the end to basically let you know he is a bad guy gropes two women in public at one point, he really weird. <laughs> he kind of like punches his wife at one point when denies her sex. She's like kind of tries to. He, he, yeah, he denies I, I, her try- sex, goes into the bathroom, masturbates instead. Which like in and of itself, that act is him trying to spare her life because he's kill her. That comes that comes pretty close to the end of the movie, right? Right. right because right. from from here, basically, like he's essentially like on a a downward spiral yeah. from this moment, basically, where you know he's been looking for a cure or an understanding maybe of what this kind of condition is. Um, and he's not making any leads basically. Uh, there's a really cool scene that I think occurs before the murder, but one that I really like, and I think is worth bringing up where he goes to the lab. Um, and we sort of talked about it a little bit where he's like pretty clearly bullshitting mm-hmm. the, where the doctor is at. And that's how he gets the address that like, that's a pretty funny scene. He like <laughs> weasels this, this older lady out, yeah, of, yeah. out of giving up the information. But, um, the lab scene is so cool because there's very like they're experimenting on human brain and there are like these little slivers that are sitting in tree dishes and throughout this whole scene like it's very you know they're all in white lab coats and it's this very clinical sparse scene but like throughout it they keep cutting back to just like yeah these very menial banal like acts of just slicing apart the human brain yeah, yeah. and again that's 
you know, part of maybe the message of the film, but these like desanitized sort of uh, deconstructions of the human body and the common become. And it's just very interesting to consider uh, that bit of these very like minute and sort of meaningless dissections <laughs> compared to uh, the other things that happen in this movie. And the, the other doctors who at one point had worked with, like, they kind of think he's a quack based on where with his research of the human brain. Yeah. And it's like, it's pretty explicitly said, like, he was kind of like, not just dis- disowned by the medical community and that's why just kind of like qualified yeah and yeah. now we see him working as kind of like a neighborhood doctor kind of far out yeah there, there is some dialogue earlier in the film where it's like oh he was so prestigious and now he's just doing this what's up with that kind of thing it's all interesting it's all thought-provoking and there are no real answers which is why <laughs> i think this film got such a negative reaction uh upon its initial release like we talked about this up top too but it's one that has sort of been reclaimed over the years uh like it it played at can like i mentioned kind of right after beau Travai, and so claire denis was the hot new talent on the block and this one was like okay weird one glad you got that out of your system let's make some some real movies please so <laughs> so after it, it's a little unclear how beatrice doll i keep wanting to call her booty doll which is <laughs> you have been for most of the episode is that true that is true. Oh, uh, that's funny. I was like, I thought this was some pet nickname. I was uh, going to ask you about that's it. That's funny. No. no, that's the singer of the distillers. Uh, <laughs> it's a little unclear how her death affects Vincent Gallo, other than he buys a puppy and uh, gropes a second woman in public. Um, but there is a very wild scene that we've talked about a little. After this death, you see him and his wife start to initiate sex and he denies her. And goes mm. into the bathroom immediately, officially. He's banging one out, and you get the sense from her reaction that like this has happened before, because yeah, yeah, she's yeah. kind of just like banging on the door, yeah, being like, "Come on, dude, we're married, we're on our honeymoon. What is going on here?" He, uh, he comes out and like she tries to stop him, like, "Yo, fucking talk to me." And he like, I, I think he like straight up just punches. Him. Um, it, it's, it's like a, a very harsh push. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it's like the movie is letting you know this is a bad dude at the end of the day. Like mm-hmm. it's a it's a little unclear at the beginning if he's just kind of a sick guy, but like by the end, before you see his final act, you know, is obviously um, it's giving you hits that like this is a bad motherfucker is out in the world, and we're ultimately to this crescendo moment where the, the 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 roles have been reversed, and what Beatrice did earlier, he now does. This woman yeah. who's shown up a couple times in the film, she's the, yeah yeah the housekeeper, not the housekeeper. The maid, I guess, maid. at a hotel. Yeah. But she, mm-hmm. there are these subtle hints that she knows Vincent Gallo's character. She is always so nervous and nervous around him. Though at one point, just in their bed and smokes their cigarette. I didn't fully end, but like... You're allowed to do that. It does make me think, because we see the way he acts out in public, that she had just been a victim of. Whether it's just like yeah. a train groping or like... He... That's kind of the sense I got yeah. is because he, he hangs around that hotel a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there are a couple scenes there where they interact even. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, rewatching this movie, the way that it's shot and kind of like, yeah, the handheld photography and the POV really lets you in on the fact that the Vincent Gallo character is not meant to be taken as a nice guy, a good guy, a particularly well put together guy. Yeah. It's just sort of all... all lending to this atmosphere of like yeah this sort of unhinged descent into whatever mass is coming over him and then why does he adopt a fucking dog that's the that's the one part that just like doesn't make much sense to me he's like you know you can take it as like looking for an attachment that is not you know gonna turn into these other ones or like trying to maybe 
introduce some like domestic bliss into their That's life. What, yeah, but, maybe like yeah, trying to smooth like, over being... the like lack of physical relationship with his wife. Like, here's a dog. I don't know. People will jump right to being like, let's have a let's have a kid. He's like, let's let's adopt this yeah. cute dog for for the record. It, um, it's unclear, but. The climax of this film, or sort of the final act, is Vince Gallo goes down into the bowels of this hotel where the maid is essentially getting off work, her shift or whatever. It's like a locker room. Um, she's changing, and he basically just barges in. And yeah, it's a little unclear kind of how this starts. Like, he's clearly propositioning her, and she is not outwardly being like, no, go away, creep. She's entertaining him in, like, just the slightest right, like, bit at first and i think that's essentially what flips the switch into mm-hmm. basically a repeat of the beatrice doll teenage murder sequence where yeah it starts to look sort of like a consensual sexual encounter that then pretty explicitly turns into an assault and then he starts taking bites yeah and i don't want to talk about where he starts eating from but that should be enough to tell the list um mm-hmm. and once again the screams are horrific not great it's but like the interesting thing to draw from this scene and i think there are plenty of ways to like any movie that is opaque is that the right word opaque opaque yeah is like you kind of are just going to take what you the obvious explicit visuals we've been seeing here are like you know beatrice does the same shit but she's been locked away she has robbed of her life yeah i've already like vincent is he after this act he takes a shower he hugs his wife says i'm ready to go home and I, I don't think the message of the movie is uh, if men can get away with rape, we'll be able to get away with it too. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. I, it's definitely not the message I, of the film. I, that's not what I'm getting at. It. But I do <laughs> think there's an obvious kind of message here or leaning towards look at the, the you know, the, the, the scales of justice here are not even. Yeah. You know, he is obviously like no one barges in. No one is even like waves their finger at this man where like. Beatrice, it's implied for the past several years, has completely lost everything ever had to this disease. And then, I mean, the the imagery of it is pretty striking as well, too. She ends up, you know, in the most sort of biblical death imaginable, like burned at the stake, essentially. Completely cleansed from the planet for acting out on these drives. And he gets to wash it off, be like, got that out of my system. Let's take our puppy and go back to America. Yeah, so Um, I definitely don't think this movie is saying, like, Beatrice Dahl's character should have, like, gotten away with it. But I I think what it's doing is giving an extreme example of, like, look what... Look what the other side is getting away with, yes. you know? Like, and, why is the why are these scales shifted towards one? And that's why the the lack of answers mm-hmm. or sort of explanation of the more fantastical elements uh, can be so satisfying is because it's pretty clearly an examination of the relationship between sex, violence, power, gender dynamics, mm-hmm. that whole structure, which, to bring this conversation full circle, I think pretty neatly ties it into the the new french extremity wave movement however you want to call it these were all films that were using their extreme content to sort of point something out uh make an observation reflect an aspect of society um and you know despite this being a movie that could be read as an outbreak of a cannibalistic mind right. virus is basically boils down to yeah a a pretty intense examination of the way that men and women have their sexual desires or outbursts of of hedonistic violence mm-hmm. kind of examined and held up and and looked at um and the pretty clear 
imbalance there yeah. uh, and how in how society re- responds to those things. Here's the thing, AJ. Yeah. Fucking awesome. I Fucking loved it. awesome movie. I love yeah, it. yeah. Like truly one where um I was doing a deep dive on Claire Denis a couple of years ago, probably right around when High Life was coming out. Um and yeah, like I mentioned, uh Beautrevi and Trouble Every Day are like two of my all-time favorite movies. Um just crazy good. I think obviously Raw owes a lot to this film. Um Raw definitely opens in a similar ish way to trouble mm-hmm. every day at least a car and a road and a active comic sans and active violence and cannibalism comics um also um not as good of a, mo- a good movie i thought it got a bad rap uh bones at all definitely owes a lot to th- I yeah think. you know i mean i was i was watching this last night and i was like maybe i gotta just fucking finally once and all yeah, it's really it's think- really just my own stubbornness at this point i think like obviously it got dunked on by like uh idiots that we should outlaw from letting watch movies uh, like mm-hmm. people who you, you you know the one, uh, but oh, dude, if 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 those people watched this movie, I think they would. I think yeah. If you have if you have that kind of brain where you're yeah. like, well, what's being depicted on screen is always being endorsed, no matter what, by not only the filmmaker but by everybody involved in it, and anyone who watches it is actively part. I think if you watch this movie, uh, your brain might just implode upon itself. Yeah, um, I but I also think it got just dunked on for I I don't know being kind of like a twee movie <laughs> like Tumblr. Tumblr. Yeah. I know I'm going to like it. But Whenever I decide to watch it, I know I'm going to like it. I think it. it's a good movie. And I think it obviously is uh, pulling direct inspiration from this film. Um, obviously goes in different places, explores love and cannibalism, mm-hmm. but like definitely is in some kind of conversation. With. Uh, those people who think on screen acts are endorsements from the director, do they watch like the Avengers and think like the Russo brothers endorse like world war? Dropping a nuke on Manhattan? Yeah. Like. That's what happens to them. That was a Joss Whedon joint, so although maybe you know, he's got some uh, he's got some problems of his own. <laughs> let me let me tell you let me tell you a movie that I've been thinking about a lot. Okay, and it's it's not only just because I watched it immediately after I watched this movie. Tonight. Okay, the goat, uh, the greatest movie, Possession. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes. Watching yes. watching those two back to back, like weird kind of thematic overlap that I think when my brain was kind of tuned into trouble every day mode, I like I I quite literally fired this bad boy up on shutter. Uh, I was like, I got a possession screening in, in an hour and a half. Let me blast through trouble every day. Let me hop in the car, drive over to the cinema for possession. So, you know, bad vibes last night, but <laughs> two two great, great movies. Um, and I think, you know, do a lot with gender politics, mm-hmm. sex, violence, what we can get away with, uh, all those sorts of things. Marriage, um, like truly, you know, an all-time double feature in the in the Moser household last night. I, uh... Obviously, I could make of the boring pedestrian here. Like, watch mm-hmm. Raw. Just fucking so good. And then listen to us talk about it in and a few listen weeks. listen to us talk about it. But also, a uh, recommendation. Maybe a little bit of a stretch. But I'm going to say Shinya Moto, who we covered all zero. His film, A Snake of June. Um, yeah. About a very sexually suppressed woman. Repressed? Suppressed? What did you say? I said suppressed. Uh, my brain's shutting down. Sexually suppressed. Repressed. It's sexually yeah. suppressed, not repressed. It doesn't. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, f- listeners, figure it out at home. Uh, about a, a, a wo- sexually frustrated woman who is go. trying her best to figure it out, find a place for her to free sexual, and it goes to some very dark places. Um, but man, it's good. Shin- here's the thing. Shinya Tsukamoto's all his films are about the body. But I think mm-hmm. the ones where he strays further away from explicit body horror are his Bullet Ballet, 
uh, Snake of June, Tokyo Fist, phenomenal films. Um, and Bullet or uh, Snake of June, I've not talked about uh, quite the movie called Double Feet. Hmm. So yeah, go. you know, similarly to wrap up, uh, Claire Denis is a filmmaker who very heavy-handed isn't the right word I use, but like her films are are never just the story that's on screen. Right. There are always similar themes of power, masculinity, whatever you want. Uh, that is a consistent through line throughout her filmography. She never really gets this gross ever again. Uh, High Life gets pretty gross as well, and then there are some some moments of violence in some of her later films, but this is a high watermark for absolute uh, freak shit, and I'm so glad this movie exists, and I'm so glad uh, we finally got the chance to talk about it, and and hopefully uh, people, people tune into this one, because it's good. Next week. The month of Beatrice Late doll continues, baby. That's right. We are watching the first Blake pick. Which I, I, I'm stoked. I know, AJ, you've already watched. We're watching mm-hmm. Inside, not the Bo Burnham, not the American one. Not the American remake, yeah. The very short French film, Inside, uh, starring Beatrice doll. Here's the thing, AJ. I have not rewatched it. I've only seen this movie <laughs> one time in yeah. 2021, I believe. Uh, and I'm actually saving it for Sunday okay. when I will be... Back in Kentucky at my parents' house. There you go. My parents live a house. It's it's not secluded, but it's not as uh, metropolitan as where I live. It gets very dark at night. I'm going to watch it in yeah. their basement in the pitch black. Recreate. That's what you told me. You said, watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there can be no lights on in your house. And I listened to you. And I got to tell you, scared shook me to my little core. Crucially, AJ, and we'll talk about this on the episode. So there's a tease mm-hmm. for listeners. They have two big doors with picture windows that lead directly to the black of yeah. night so that's where i'm gonna be watching it i'm gonna be watching the movie in that room one of one of the most indelible images uh in in a horror movie that's right. uh in inside and then which the, we'll be talking about next week and then the week after beatrice doll again it's crazy is that true lux eterna yeah <laughs> with not not french to my knowledge she is charlotte charlotte gainsbourg maybe gains gains a ball i'm gonna look it up before we close out don't say bye yet just so we know okay i got a vamp i got a fucking cook she's uh, from london shit. Um, she's from london okay thanks everybody so much for listening uh make sure you're following us on www.twitter.com you're following the podcast on spotify on apple on google on youtube you don't have to follow it on all of those places but maybe pick one um and and just uh you know hit the old little follow button so you get notified when our new episodes come out on fridays um and 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 stay tuned for all of the great french films we got coming your way later this month uh as they say in paris uh au revoir ha, ha, ha. that's it we oui, oui. <laughs> this is brown Welcome to Paris, Mrs. Brown. I hope you'll enjoy your stay. No, Dr. Simino doesn't work here anymore. Look into my eyes. I really need to find him. You see trouble Just uh, up and left. His wife is sick. Corey's sick? He is very sick. You were in love with her? It's not the right word for it. This trip is This trip is This trip is
believe in loyalty, Mr. Brown? What about betrayal? <laughs>